Let us pray. O God, we come to you with open minds, open hearts, and open spirits. And pray that as we do so, we can rest in the knowledge and the comfort and the assurance that our lives are rooted in your love, that we might grow in the ways you would have us grow to share more of our gifts and to be true ambassadors and agents of your kingdom here on earth. Through Jesus Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Prayer is a very personal thing. No one knows the innermost thoughts of another when it comes to his or her deepest interior prayer life. Only God knows, and that is enough. But prayer is also communal. As we speak together and share in common faith expression, which praises God and seeks guidance for us and our church. That's why we put a strong focus on prayer each and every Sunday. Pride can be a very personal thing. No one knows the innermost thoughts of another when it comes to his or her true assessments of being better than others. Only God knows our true interior, and that is that. But pride can be a social struggle as well, because pride has to do with comparing ourselves to others. And at times, we can express our perceptions about that knowingly or unknowingly. And more often than not, it gets us into trouble. People who sing their own praises usually do so without accompaniment. A young man went off to college with great expectations. And after he had been in school for about a month, he texted his dad and said, feather in my cap, elected class president. About a month later, he sent another text to his dad, another feather in my cap, accepted into the best fraternity. And yet another month Later, he sent a third text saying, Still, an additional feather in my cap, leading role in the class play. Well, the second semester, he texted his younger brother, Flunked out. Prepare dad. Tell him to send money for me to get home. And about an hour later, the brother texted back, Dad prepared. Prepare yourself. Dad says, Put those feathers on your arms and fly home. Pride. Pride can be small or pride can be big. Pride can start small and slowly grow big, or pride can start big and quickly deflate. One of the problems of pride is that when some people are obnoxiously full of themselves, they aren't even aware of it. As a 19th century Scottish-born English prose writer Thomas Carlyle put it, the greatest of all faults is to be conscious of none. Having an overinflated sense of self can come on almost imperceptibly, and when it works its way into the ego, can be insidious and oblique. The midlife-turned-Christian and author C.S. Lewis writes, Pride leads to every other vice, 
It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Pride is spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. However, in God, you come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. And unless you know God as that and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison, you do not know God at all. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud person is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. Well, this leads us to the stark contrast Jesus presents in our parable for today, where two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Prayer and pride, the two just don't go together. And I don't even need to mention politics. If you look at the Pharisee, you find one who tried to live the way God wanted him to in a very real way. He fasted and tithed on a regular basis, meaning he met the religious fast twice a week and he gave a full tenth of all his income. This was a person who took his religion very seriously. But as I said, prayer and pride simply don't go together. For when we examine the content of his prayer, we see that he really didn't go to pray he went to inform God of how good he was. Prayer that is truly prayer is to God. It's not to yourself, and it's not about how great you are. And prayer is not for the sake of others to hear how flowery the words of the prayer are, nor is it to compare yourself to others. I thank you, God, that I am not like others, like this lowly tax collector. Journalist and TV commentator Bill Moyers, who, by the way, was also seminary trained, served as the White House press secretary under Lyndon B. Johnson. On one occasion, Moyers was asked to say grace before a meal in the family quarters of the White House. And as Moyers began praying softly, the president interrupted him with, speak up, Bill, speak up. The former Baptist minister from East Texas stopped in mid-sentence and without looking up replied steadily, I wasn't addressing you, Mr. President. In prayer, it is so basic and so important to know that the primary focus is God and not ourselves. Or to compare ourselves to others or to impress others. Our text tells us that we can't pray if we are proud. There's an old image which pictures the gates of heaven as not being high, but low. 
and that the only way you can enter is on your knees. Our text is telling us that no matter how good we are or think we are, we cannot despise others. Otherwise, we are lifting ourselves above them. And if nothing else, we are one in our sinning, suffering, sorrow, and humanity, all needing to be on our knees before God. My parents went through a very difficult time when their lives were feeling hollow and shallow, and they knew they didn't have their priorities right. And so after having a long talk about how that had happened, and they wanted to reprioritize their lives toward God and the church, they were going to commit every Sunday to being in church, and they were going to commit to serving in the church as Sunday school teachers, and also to give a tithe, 10% of their income to the church. And as they made this commitment, they got down on their knees beside their bed and promised God that this is what they were going to do. Well, they shared that with me when I was a teenager, and I've never forgotten it. And it's helped me understand my commitments to God, too, in terms of giving of my time, my energy, and my finances. Now, we may not need to be on our knees literally, but in our spirits, yes. If you've ever noticed trees bent by the wind and weather, that process actually makes them stronger in the long run to withstand future storms. The philosopher Immanuel Kant once observed, out of the crooked timber of humanity, no straight thing was ever made. You see, none of our lives are perfectly straight. Like it or not, we have all been bent or weighed down in one way or another. And any person who is truly humble isn't so because they will to be. Their circumstances help them to be the opposite of proud or haughty. Don't trust anyone who says, I'm the most humble person I know. Many years ago, the London Times asked several eminent authors to write articles on the theme, What's Wrong with the World? Christian humorist and theologian G.K. Chesterton wrote this brief reply, Dear Sirs, I am sincerely yours, G.K. Chesterton. Couldn't we all say that at some level of our being, at least at some time during our lives? God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus, after telling the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, of the proud person and the humble one, shows it was this heartbroken, self-despising prayer which found connection with the heart of God. Victor Hugo said, Certain thoughts are prayers. There are moments when... Whatever the posture of the body, the soul is on its knees. Friends, it's all about praying with a bent spirit. And if we think we can straighten everything out in our life and with our life, and we don't need another, we don't need God to straighten us out. Prayer is about a right 
relationship with God. And ultimately, it is God who makes things straight. True prayer is aligning our lives with the life of God. The question is not, am I as good as others? But, am I as good as God? As good as Jesus? And when we do that, all we can say is, God be merciful to me, a sinner. God wants to have a unique and special relationship with each one of us. So no one needs to be jealous or compare themselves to anyone else. It has been well said by the famous author Anonymous. There is a beauty of soul, there is a beauty of soul in a humble person who has no other obvious talent than the humility to stand in awe of the gifts God has given to others. Comparing ourselves to others, up or down, is more often than not what gets us into trouble. When we align our life with the life of God and then pray for others, we cannot say as the Pharisee did, I thank you, God, that I am not like other certain people, people who steal, people who are uh, promiscuous, and certainly not like this tax collector. No, we can know that they have the same grace that we have received to stand before Christ and to share in his mercy. A Pharisee and a publican, a religious man and a tax collector, a prideful person and a humble one. In closing, listen to the words of the poet Crashaw. Two went to pray, or rather say, one went to brag, the other to pray. One stands up close and treads on high, where the other dares not lend his eye. One near to God's altar trod, the other to the altar's God. Praying with a bent spirit. It's not always pleasant and it's not always easy, but it does allow God to be God and set things right. For finally, we all fall at the mercy of God, praying, truly praying with a bent spirit. Amen.